Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So next week, as, as Andy said, is our Give Big special offering, uh, where we're giving to three things. We're giving to the Oasis Centre, that kind of Christian day centre in Gorton, which helps the neediest people with crisis support, uh, job clubs. They do some great, great stuff. Um, and actually, our Gorton site actually uses their venue for their Sundays. We're going to be given to the churches in Ukraine. As you may have known, about five, six years ago, there were, Eastern Ukraine was invaded by Russia. It was a war zone. The churches, the pastors there have really stepped up to help provide the services for the local community that have been just obliterated by, by war. And we're going to help um, LMCC, Life Ministries Christian Centre in Uganda. I, I was out there two years ago, saw the hospital, saw the great stuff that they're doing to help people. And as Andy said, they want to build a nurse's accommodation block. Uh, to help nurses because basically the nurses will travel in for hours from out in the countryside and then have to travel home for hours every evening back to the countryside so they're like if we could just build an accommodation block they can stay here during the week between shifts just going to make things much much better so that's what we want to give to i'm praying that we can across the sites of ccm i'm praying that we could give 30 grand to this so that we can you know people who like nice fractions so we can give a nice cool 10 grand to each one i'm not saying that's exactly the way it's going to go accountancy people but it'd be great to have 30 grand to give to those three things now those of you who are part have been part of ccm for a while you'll know how it goes when it comes to give big what happens is we have our give big sundays our give big special offerings twice a year and the sunday before the give big there's always a sermon and the purpose of the sermon is to try and get you to give tons of money. That, that's the purpose. There's no other purpose. That's it. That's the purpose of the sermon. Well, full disclosure, everyone, this is that sermon. Okay. So I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to hide my motives here. This is like, yes, I want you to give to give big. That's what this is all about. So I'm, today I'm tasked with convincing you all to give masses of cash to give big. So there you go. All right. Now, I realized something this week. I realized that give big special offerings aren't something that we invented here at CCM. Oh no, the Apostle Paul actually did a give big special offering in the Bible. And I was like, yes, this is where I'm going today. Not only but did he do give big, uh, give big special offering in the Bible, but he actually also did a sermon beforehand to encourage people to give to it. So when I was thinking, oh, what should I preach on this week? I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read out Paul's Give Big Sermon from the Bible. And then you're all going to be so convicted, so cut to the heart that you're going to give loads of money to Give Big to Oasis, to Ukraine and Uganda. And I'm going to be here just like, job done. Great. I'll have saved myself some sermon prep and uh, we'll all be good. Does that sound okay, everyone? That sound all right? We're just going to do that. So let's turn in your Bibles to Paul's Give Big Sermon. It will appear on the screen behind. Paul's Give Big Sermon, or at least part of his Give Big Sermon, which is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. Now, before we read it, a little bit of context, okay? So at this time when this was written, Paul is writing to this church in the city of the Greek city of Corinth. It's in the first century, around 50 AD. And what had happened in another area of uh, the Middle East, in, in, in Israel, famine had hit Judea, which is the area that Jerusalem is in. 
And basically that meant that the believers there, the church in Jerusalem, they found themselves in extreme poverty. Now extreme poverty means, like, I just don't know when my next meal is going to come. That's how desperate the believers were. So Paul finds out about this, and he's planted loads of churches across the Mediterranean. So he lets all these churches that he's planted know about the desperate plight of the Christians in Jerusalem. And he says, look, it'd be great if you guys could you know, collect some money. So when I next come, I'll collect it and I'll bring it to them to help them to help alleviate their suffering. So in this passage, he's, he's talking to the Corinthian church, the church in Corinth. And what he, what he starts by telling them is he, t- he tells them about these other churches in an, another, another area of Greece called Macedonia. And he says, there's these other churches. And even though they're really poor, they've actually already given quite a lot of money to these Jerusalem, suffering Jerusalem Christians. And so much so that they're actually going without things. They're like sacrificing things to actually be able to give more money. They've been incredibly generous. And Paul is basically telling them this to kind of encourage them to do the same. So let's read our, read our passage, just nine verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 9. Says that, Paul says this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, one of the Paul's kind of co-workers, just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Verse 7, but since you excel in everything, the Corinthians was a good church. If you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Verse 8, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty might become rich. So that's Paul's give big preach to the Corinthians, or part of it anyway. So we all like convicted to the heart and, you know, ready to give loads of money to get big. Jamie's up, Jamie's, Jamie's in. Yeah. I mean, if you all like passionately said yes, I, like I might just be like, you know what? Come on, Luke, let's worship. You know, <laughs> no more. That's it. That's done. So I think a few of you are just not quite sure. So um, maybe you need a sermon to convince you. What do you think? Well, it just so happens that I've prepared a sermon to, to, to convince you. <laughs> Slightly awkward now, aren't we? So, I mean, the passage we just read here, it's, it's about generosity, obviously. Paul's talking about generosity. And I just want to share three things about generosity from this passage, just generally. Firstly, generosity flows from grace. Secondly, generosity comes from joy. And thirdly, generosity reveals love. Okay, I just want to share briefly these three things and then we'll, then we'll finish. Firstly, generosity flows from grace. Now, verse one of the passage we just read says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the massive amount of cash the Macedonians gave. Does it say that? Does it? 
No, it doesn't say that. No. Does he say, all right, come on, Corinthians. The Macedonians have given like five grand and they're dirt poor. You guys are well off. Can you, come on, you can give more than that. Get the finger out. Does he say that? No. I mean, it would be quite interesting and fun if he did say that. But how would they, if he'd have said either of those two things, how would that have made them feel? Not good. Jamie is my question and answer guy here this morning. <laughs> Jamie's on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have made them, made them feel guilty. Would have made them feel condemned. You know, have you ever given to something when you feel guilty and condemned? It's not, you're not really enjoying it, are you? You're not really giving with a cheerful heart or anything like that. Paul doesn't start by saying either of these things. Instead, he starts by saying, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. He starts with the grace of God. And this is crucial. And I've always found this so interesting why he starts with the grace of God and not just give loads of cash. Look what the Macedonians have done. Because you see, generosity is something that is created in a person. I don't make myself to be generous. See, generosity is enabled and empowered in a person through God's grace by, by knowing who God is and what he has done for you in your heart. And when you experience that, when you experience God's grace, it flows out of us to others. I mean, biggest example of this in the Bible is Zacchaeus. You know, short man up a tree, Jesus says, come into your house, you know, essentially gives, it, gives, it, gives his life to Jesus, becomes a follower of Jesus. And immediately something in him just changed. And then he refunds, he, you know, he's a fraudulent tax collector. He's defrauded, you know, loads of people out of money over years. What does he do? First thing he does, he refunds all the people he's defrauded and actually gives them four times the amount of money he's taken from them. Now, it wasn't that Jesus taught him that he needed to do this. It wasn't that there was peer pressure to do this. No, it was grace working in his life, flowing from God to him and out in generosity. See, generosity always flows from grace. And when we realize what God has done for us, the instinct of a Christian is to be generous. And the Christian who is not being generous is resisting the flow of grace in their lives. They're like putting a cap on it. They're saying, yeah, it comes from God to me and cap on. Someone who's a Christian who's not being generous is resisting the flow of grace because that's where grace flows to, from God to us and out to others. And that's the source of generosity, the grace of God. That's the source of, of generosity. Now, one of the reasons we can resist the flow of grace in our lives, I'm sorry if that sounds a bit jargony, but it's the best I can do. The, one of the reasons we can resist the flow of grace in our lives is because we can slowly start to believe that my money is mine, I've earned it. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, that sounds completely logical to me. <laughs> it is mine, I have earned it. But when we, when we really allow that attitude to seep into our hearts, it can stop us from being generous. Timothy Keller um, identifies some of the, the misconceptions with this attitude. He says this, if you have money, power and status today it is due to the century and place in which you were born to your talents and capacities and health none of which you earned in short all your resources are in the end the gift of god 
And what he's saying here is, if you were born in a remote third world context without the education or opportunities you've been given, you wouldn't have the job you have, you wouldn't have the salary you have, or you wouldn't have the lifestyle you have either. More than that, he's saying, how responsible really are you for your brain existing between your ears? You know, did you put it there? Like, did you wake up one day thinking, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to make a brain so that I can, like, go and get a good job and earn lots of money. You know, I know that sounds stupid, but, like, that's what he's saying. No, we didn't. It all comes from grace. Everything we have comes from grace. It comes from God. So what we have is not ours. It's God's entrusted to you and to me. And that's such an important thing for us to understand. Another reason we can resist the flow of grace in our lives is comparison. Now, I heard recently about the head of a a large charity. And the, the head of this charity was basically looking at where their giving comes from. Who gives to their charity? Where does most of the giving come from? And they found that through some research that they really don't get much money at all from millennials. All right. So people in their 20s, people in their 30s. And they did some research into why, why this was. And, 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 and the, the head of this, char- this charity said, well, well we, we think we have an idea why, why this is. We're not totally sure, but we've done some research. We think the reason we don't get as much money from millennials is because basically millennials, they've grown up with parents as the baby boomer generation. Okay, so basically the, their parents are that generation that bought, were able to buy pretty nice houses and they really didn't cost very much, you know, when house prices were a lot lower. They, they get these awesome state pensions where, like, the government just seems to give more and more and more and more money. And, and we're all they're sitting thinking, and we're never going to get that. And, and millennials look at their parents and think, wow, you've got this great house. And you don't have to pay much for it. You've got this great pension. You've got all these great things. And I've got to scrimp and scrape, as, save as much as I can. And I'm never going to get a, a house as big as you. I'm never going to get that big pension. I'm never going to have all this type of stuff. You know, it's just not fair. I said, one of the reasons that they reckon that they don't get as much is because actually millennials are comparing themselves to their parents' generation and that comparison is leading them to not be generous. I was like, wow, very interesting. Now that may be the case for you, that may not be. But I think for most of us, there is an element of comparing ourselves to our friends, to our family members. You know, like you go to someone's house for dinner. They've got a bigger house than me. They've got a nice, they've got a bigger living room, you know. You've got a downstairs toilet. You know, there's always oh, that kind of, like, oh, I'd love that, you know. Oh, they've got a nice drive. They've got their drive all paid. You know, that kind of stuff. Or, or I don't know what the comparison is. You know, that car, whatever. We, we, can, we can so easily fall into that, you know. Um, or they've, they've, got a, they've got a pay rise in their work. And I haven't. I work so hard. It's not fair. Comparison can make us so resistant to being generous. And, and sometimes we can kind of think, well, generosity is for you know, people with the wealth to afford it. Well, what Paul is doing here is he is blowing that out of the water right here. He's saying, look, we start with grace. We don't start by looking around and comparing ourselves with one another. It isn't about how wealthy you are or not. It's about the grace of God flowing through us out to others. It's all about attitude. It's all about the heart. It's not about cash. It's not about what's in your bank account. It's attitude and heart. Generosity flows from grace. Second thing we see is that generosity comes from joy. Now, when I was growing up, my mum's here. It's great. Hey, mum. Um, it's good you're here for this. When I was young, I went to Sunday school, and one of the songs I sang at my Sunday school was a song. I don't know whether you've ever heard this or you went to Sunday school. It was, I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Wow. 
Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I can't remember the word. Down in my heart today. It was great, you know, because one side could do that. I've got the joy, and then the other side could go, Where? It was a lot of fun with kids. And sometimes we kind of, you know, thought about the words, but most of the time just enjoyed singing the song. But what we see here in verse 2 is these Macedonians, despite their poverty, they've got this overflowing joy. Um, despite the severe trial, despite the extreme poverty, and that overflowing joy has welled up in rich generosity. See, generosity comes from joy. I was reading the commentary um, recently, and the commentary writer says this, the Macedonian Christians knew the joy of being the recipients of God's free giving, and in that joy, they gave freely. So it was like, wow, what God has done for me, there's joy in that, and then they give freely. The grace of God that they received produced joy and that joy led them to be generous. Now, I just find it so interesting that their overflowing joy is in the midst of extreme poverty. Now, what is extreme poverty? Now, extreme poverty is not, you know, going camping instead of staying in a hotel. You know, it's not getting Lego for Christmas instead of an Xbox. You know, it's not, there, there are certain things you think, oh, shame. It's not extreme poverty. Extreme poverty is... I don't know if I'll eat this week. Like, I'm not sure that's touch and go, whether I'll eat anything this entire week. That's extreme poverty. And it's extreme poverty in the first, in first century Macedonia, that area of Greece, would have looked like really having very little food, poor housing, no health care, hard labor-intensive jobs for little pay, long hours, vulnerable to exploitation, no power, no rights. That's what extreme poverty would have looked like back then yet despite their extreme poverty they were generous massively generous so you don't need to have money to be generous the macedonians show us that and also generosity isn't a measure of how much is given but how much is kept you remember that story in the bible where you know jesus is sitting at the temple and he's watching all the people put their offering into the pots And there's this Pharisee, this religious person, walks up to the front, all pomp and ceremony, got his big bundle of cash so everybody can see, and he sticks it in the the offering pot. Jesus essentially looks up and says, oh, it's disgusting, that is. And then he points to this other lady who walks up, no one can see her, puts two little coins in. He says, you see her? She's gave everything. That's the one. He was like, wow, she's gave everything. See, generosity comes from the joy in our hearts through knowing God. But generosity doesn't just come from joy. When we're generous, it also leads to joy. Now, is is joy found in giving money away? Well, not necessarily. You know, you can give money away and not be very joyful about it, you know? You give money to the tax man and it's like, I don't need joy about that really. Or, you know, pay your your utility bills. It's not, it's not. You can give money away to lots of things and then not be joy about it. No, joy is found in allowing grace to flow through us to others. So when when we know God and all that he has done for us in our hearts, joy increases. And as that happens, the grace of God begins to move in and, and work in every area of our lives and just generosity flows from that and as we're generous that leads to more joy you know i i find joy in giving you know i i do i, I it makes me happy knowing you know what elizabeth and I, what we give to church what we give to other things you know i find joy in that 
Elizabeth and I were talking recently, just on Friday there, about how we both like used to love doing the, you know, the Operation Christmas Child, you know, the shoe boxes. You know, you'd fill up the shoe box, use your pocket money, and fill, buy all the stuff to fill up the shoe box, and you'd send it to some, uh, you know, poor country, and and the kids would get to open it for Christmas, and you'd be like, oh yes, I hope they like my, you know, special. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action pack that I put in, or my Power Ranger pencil and rubber set, and all this kind of. It was. I loved it. It was good, and just to know that they're opening that, and they're like, ah, oh, it's bringing them joy. You know, someone from church recently, their boiler broke, and 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 we just um we just said, look, here's some money to help you fix it, and you know, it was a really joyful thing to do. Just say, here, take this to help you sort your boiler to get a new boiler. We also, Liz and I, we. We, we support a few Compassion Children, Compassion, that charity that helps um, children across the world. We have two children that we support. You know, you get those letters and you, you read them and you, and you just see them draw a little picture for you and you're like, oh, this is so good. And you can see how they've developed and grown and, 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 and how they're learning stuff, how they're learning about Jesus and what they're, I just, ah, brings me joy. And then I kind of forward them to Elizabeth and said, can you reply to that? And <laughs> Elizabeth has to write all the replies, but just reading it, it's so nice. There's joy to be had in, in, in giving. Elizabeth, it was Elizabeth's mum's birthday the other few weeks ago. And Elizabeth thought, you know, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get her a different present. I'm gonna get her a present. Basically, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this charity. And she, she basically paid for a child to have, to be fed for a month in a kind of poor developing country. And just, it's a charity, this little card and said, give that to her mum. And, and you were saying your mum was really happy about it. Like genuinely happy. It's not like, I mean, you can't really respond to that and say, oh, I prefer you got me an iPad. You, I know you, you can't really respond that way. But like, I think genuinely she was, there was joy in that, knowing that she'd be able to help someone really, really in need. And, and I, always find, I always find joy when it comes to give big as well. You know, we get this opportunity to bless others, not in our context. And I was out in Uganda and I saw that hospital and the great work that they're doing and the people they're helping. Um, and just what they can do. I've, I've heard about the stuff they do in Ukraine as well and the great stuff they do at Oasis. So we've got this opportunity to help others. And I, you know, I think there's joy in that, you know? So let's have joy as we, as we give to this. So generosity comes from joy. When we're generous, but it also brings joy too. So generosity comes from joy and we get joy when we're generous. And final thing I just wanna share is generosity reveals love. In verse 8, Paul says to the Corinthians, I'm not commanding you. See, you can't command someone to be generous, can you? You know, why did you give that really generous gift? Because I got forced to. Because Andy made me to. Yes, I had to. I had no choice. You know, you're not going to respond to someone and say, oh, you've got such a generous heart. You know, that's, just, that's not generosity. You can't force someone to give. But if someone says, on the other hand, if they say, oh, why did you give that gift? That gift, And the person says, because I love that project or that person or, or because I care or because I feel overwhelmed by how privileged and blessed I am. What does that reveal? It reveals love. It reveals love. Verse 8 says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. He's saying to Corinthians, you're a great church. You're doing some great things. You're full of faith and knowledge and earnestness and love. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I'm just saying, show your love by your generosity. He says, that's all I'm saying. I'm not giving you a figure. I'm not telling you how, 
Just show your love by your generosity. That's all I'm saying. In August, uh, just a few months ago, we came home from church one Sunday. It was just before we were going on holiday. And there was an envelope that had been stuffed through our door. I'm thinking it's Sunday. There's no Pope, you know. Open the envelope and in it is 500 quid. Yes, in cash. Lovely, crisp cash. Not folded or anything. Taken straight from the bank. On the front of the envelope, it just says, to the Brownleys with love. And I immediately went into handwriting identification (laughs) mode. I was like, who has written this? Whose handwriting is that? Is that, ooh, let's see. I'm trying to think, oh, who could that be? And I'm like, "Mm, maybe this person, maybe that person. Elizabeth Elizabeth says to me, she's like, maybe Andy, the reason they haven't put their name on it is because they don't want you to know. And I was like, okay, right, okay, fine. Just enjoy the gift. And, uh, but I remember when, when we got that, uh, I just, there was a real good feeling, like something, it really warmed my heart getting that. But as I thought about it, the thing that warmed my heart wasn't the, yeah, we now have 500 quid we didn't have before. The thing that warmed my heart was that someone out there loves us. How do we know they love us? 500 quid says they love us. Someone out there loves us. And this person, whoever it was, and I'm, I'm looking for people here like, who, who are like avoiding eye contact and being shifty. And maybe it wasn't, yeah, I don't know, could be someone. Whoever that person was, they showed their love by their generosity. Now, some of you may be sitting here thinking, look, Andy, to be honest, I wasn't planning on giving, giving anything to give big. And, you know, if that's you, I'm not commanding you to. But I'm just saying, let your love for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ be proven to be sincere. Let your love for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ be proven to be sincere by your generosity. So generosity flows from grace, comes from joy, and generosity reveals love. And we see no clearer example of love in all history than Jesus coming into this world to die on the cross for our sins. Final verse of our passage, verse 9 says this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. See, Jesus, he led aside the glory of heaven. He became nothing. He took on flesh, came into this world as a baby, was crucified. He became poor so that we might become rich and know the riches of grace of God in our lives. Amen? Amen. Now, as you probably worked out by now, this sermon isn't really about giving or money. The sermon primarily, it's about our hearts. It's about where our hearts are at. And you know, the the verse in this passage that just jumped out at me when I first read it, verse five, it says this. It says, they, the Macedonians, give themselves first of all to God. They give themselves first of all to God. That's why they give so generously. They'd given their hearts to God above all else. And I don't know, I've got a question. My question for us today is, where's your heart at? Where's your heart at? What are you chasing after above all else? What have you you given yourself to above all else? You know, whatever it is, you know, whether whether it's, you know, you've, you've given yourself to your family above all else, 
Whether you've given yourself to your kids, it's so easy for our kids to become little idols. And actually, it makes them, it's not good for bringing them up. Whatever it is you've given yourself to, whether it's career, money, lifestyle, God says, I want you back. I want your heart back. That's what he's really interested in. He's interested in our hearts. So why don't we stand? I just want to give an opportunity for us to respond to this. Someone recently was talking about the fact of how much is Jesus worth to me? Like, is he the most important thing in my life? And I was saying, like, if I'm honest, I don't know. And I don't know where you're at in your hearts, where you're at in your relationship with God, your walk with God in terms of how much you value, how much you love him. But I just want to give an opportunity right now for us to just to come before God and say, Lord, I, I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my heart in first place. I want you to be number one, to take first place again in my life. So let's just close our eyes. I'm going to pray, and then Luke's going to lead us in worship. Lord, you said that we humans, men and women, we look on the outside, but you look on the heart. Lord, what you want is our hearts fully, fully for you. Because you know that when we're in that place, that's the best thing for us. It's the best way to live life. So Lord, for those of us who are here this morning, and, and if we're honest, we've, we've realized, you know, I, I've given my heart to a bunch of other things. Lord, I pray that we would draw us back to you, Lord. Draw us back to you, for you being number one in our lives. So if that's you, just pray this prayer. Lord, I, I confess that I have drifted from you. I confess that my heart has gone after other things. But Lord, I give my heart to you again. I give myself to firstly to you again Lord come into my life and be be Lord again would you direct my decisions would you direct my my decisions would you direct my paths again Lord